well, well, well. Good morning. I apologize for my slightly groggy voice, as Lauren just called it, but I am only halfway through my first cup of coffee this morning. It's a little bit earlier. I've got some morning things to do to take care of. So we're recording, you know, at the crack of dawn, essentially, which is any time before eight, if you ask me. <laughs> um, how is the drilling going outside your window? I mean, is this even necessary at this point? I insisted. I will say I did insist we record this early because I was very nervous about the risk of drilling. Right. It's subsided for the most part, but there is still heavy clanking. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, I look forward to the days when construction is done on your street. I do too. It's not till the end of August, so I don't even know if I'm going to make it till then, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, I I did, though, get a little bit more settled into like our place this week. Ben hung our like, whole gallery wall, so I'm feeling a lot better, even if there you know, are loud sounds of drilling, and it basically sounds like you know a dentist is t- doing a root canal on our street. Um, <laughs> at least I like my indoors, so that's all. Yeah, so, okay. That actually brings us to a question a lot of people had for you, which was, you know, how things are going. We got that a lot in the Q&A. People want to know how, you know, being ensconced with Ben, living in sin, shacking up like a real slore is going. Um, It's that's so funny. I know a lot of people have asked, like, how is it going? And what's funny is that they'll also ask it like to us in person. Like Ben is going to be like in person, like "Eh, it's the worst or I'm going to be like, it's the worst. Um, Yeah. Even though it like has not been the worst, um, it's been amazing. Like, what's crazy is that nothing has really changed. Like, we just kind of like have a routine, and it's actually just a lot more peaceful because I don't have to like schedule or plan when we're going to be able to hang out or like how we're going to eat dinner together. You know, if that's even a reality. And a lot of times, like, <laughs> I would basically finish my work day and then I would just start calling him. You know, just like, right, hey, when are right. we hanging out? When is our evening going to begin together? When um, are you going to be done with work? Literally. And and now I don't have to do that anymore. Now he's just a simple, you know, room away at most. Mm-hmm. And I can just, you know, bug him in person. But no, it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's just the same. And maybe more magical because we have this like new little place that's like ours. And like, I don't know, even just seeing all of our like art up on the wall that's like half mine and half his like is is very sweet. Um so it's going really well and I'm just like so in love with like our apartment and it just feels like we've we started a little life so it's really really happy I feel like unless you move in with someone after like unless you move in with someone after really rarely spending the night if you're spending the night virtually 75% of the time 80% of the time then all of a sudden moving in it's less of like this culture shock because you already know right, if the right. person's messy you already know their yeah habit. I could not agree more Lauren I could not agree more um you know let's talk about a man though who's not moving in with his one true love anytime soon a man <laughs> who has been sowing his wild oats all around tech companies I don't even know if tech companies is the right even like uh, filtered upon this. Can we just talk about Elon Musk? Because I feel like I need your perspective because I do feel like you used to like love Elon. Is it true? Well, Did actually, you no, kind of worship at his true. feet. No, that's the opposite of true. Do you even know me? Are we even sisters? Well, I, here's the thing. I th- sometimes I think of Kate Kagan as like an Elon Musk light in the terms of just like tech energy. Okay. Coding energy. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, 
not in this, not in this particular way we're about to speak about, but so I just, I, I, yeah, but this is wrong of me to assume. I, I see. Well, okay. Funny story. Um, Elon Musk is actually one of the first fights Katie and I had was about Elon (gasps) Musk. Oh yeah. Okay. Don't you remember this? Maybe I do. Yeah. Cause you've read his mom's book or something. No, when we were first dating, um, this was probably like four months in, five months in, we went to get a cocktail and I was fully trying to get Kagan to say, I love you. Right. So Uh it must've been like two and a half months in. And that is literally the time when men should be saying it for the record. I was trying to deepen the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, this is perfect. We're going to do the 36 questions from the New York Times to fall in love. Absolutely. Like, this yeah. is a full, this is a foolproof plan. Okay. Can I just say really quickly though, those questions are oftentimes a little bit of boner killers. Can I just say that? Well, we were in a public setting, so I, that's well, probably just, actually okay. useful. Mood killers, to put it lightly, because a lot of times they're like, What's your deepest fear about your parents? And then it's like, okay, I guess we're going to get into this tonight. Right, right. For sure. I mean, I think that it's, that's the problem. It's like they're too emotionally raw. Mm -hmm, And what mm -hmm. if the person doesn't react correctly? What if the person isn't quite empathetic enough? And I don't know. It's definitely a minefield. I just prefer those volcanic emotional eruptions to happen naturally. That's all. Um, Anyways, back to what happened. this was an artificially induced volcanic eruption because <laughs> Kagan and I were sitting at the at the bar in Laguna Beach. I think we went to the ranch in Laguna. Stunning setting, beautiful right. canyon view, the light just hitting perfectly. And I just pull up on my phone the 36 questions. I think this is the moment he's going to look at me. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn about each other. And he's going to think right. I love this woman. Right. Um. So I don't remember what the question was. But I think it was like, who's someone you admire? And he said Elon Musk, because Elon Musk is like trying to save the world and the planet. I mean, this was also like, what, four years ago, five years ago, Elon Musk? So a different Elon Musk, I would say. Yeah, I I think it was more of like a Tesla focused Elon Musk. Not um, XS812s. Yeah, it was pre-Grimes. Anyway, Kagan doesn't care about Elon Musk's personal life. Like, that's the opposite of yeah. his concerns. He just likes that he's doing, like, important, cool things that are trying yeah. to help humanity. Um, but for me, I couldn't care less about his professional <laughs> ventures and only think, I, you know, like, if you're not successful in the home, you're a failure. Absolutely. I mean, that the home is where it starts. So, no success in the workplace can... Yes. What is the quote? What's a, that's like no an LDS success. quote? And it can rival the, the joy, or like can, the, can supplant or I look it up? make up for a failure in the home? Can make up for right. failure in the home? That's really what the right. quote is. And um, words we still live by, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, absolutely. as someone who's putting off children to you know build her career first um, and have fun, yeah, totally. My family values are completely intact. This mainly only applies to men. Okay, can we just say that? Yeah, absolutely. It's like women already know this lesson. Women are already, right. you know, not impregnating five different women. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. So, so yeah. So he said he admired Elon, and I was like, well, I, I actually do not think Elon Musk is a good person. I mean, he like left his first wife, and I read her essay in Vanity Fair, and he totally just had a starter wife and dumped her, and had five kids with her, and is basically an absentee dad from everything I can see. 
mean, these are valid points, though. Well, Kagan said it was like for him, it was like a big moment where he was like, whoa, this chick might be loco. And ding, ding, ding. He was correct. What's funny is that I think I fully repeated that because I did know that now I am remembering. I'm sorry for saying that you were an Elon Musk stan. Um, I am now remembering you telling me about this fight and me just being like, absolutely not. Like, didn't he have like, yeah, like five kids with her or something? Yeah. I had a, everyone should read the article. I think it was in Vanity Fair. No, it definitely was by Justine Musk. Um, or I think her last name is, maiden name is Wilson. I don't know. Whatever. You can Google it. She talks about the whole process of essentially being his starter wife and then him dumping yeah. her to go like date Hollywood starlets. Right. So it's very juicy very interesting um definitely definitely everyone needs to go read it um but anyway so yeah that was a funny story but let's get to elon today because elon today is he is really um i don't know how what would you even say he's multiplying and replenishing the earth I don't know if it's like a Jordan Peterson thing where he's just like literally the world's in decline or Joe Rogan. Like there's one of these stupid ass thought leaders that's like, you know, and this is not actually a wrong uh, way of thinking, but you know, the world's population is in decline. Like, you know, we need to be like having more children, but they have taken it upon themselves. I.e. Elon um, (laughs) to replenish the earth. I feel like it's every 36 hours we're hearing about another secret child with another tycoon. Well, okay, so let me just walk everyone through Elon Musk's 10 children. So he first he had has ten. Six, 10 kids. So he first had his six, first six children with Justine <gasps> Wilson. One died of SIDS at 10 months or 10 oh, weeks. So that's sad. super sad. Um, but then five are still with us um, today. And that's his first six children born. Oh, my gosh. Then he has two with Grimes. Okay. Oh my gosh. And then another two with Siobhan Zillis, who is is an executive, I believe at SpaceX. Right. Um, The twins are with Siobhan? The twins, yes. I also firmly believe, like I would bet my life on it, that Amber Heard's kid is Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because they did create embryos together Mm -hmm. when they were dating and he, there's no spoken no one understands right. who the father is and right. i personally think i think that's why Am- amber heard is really not like ever going to be that much in trouble and that's why elon musk paid for her attorney you mm-hmm. know donated to charity on her behalf um he absolutely is going to probably be protecting right. and supporting amber heard on some level for yeah. for a long time yeah why does that make me like feel warm feelings towards him? But I know that he's just like literally an egg donor or sorry, sperm donor. Like, well, I just kind of think that like I get, I get that we all love the idea of two parents in the home, you know, dad coaching soccer, dad right. playing little, you know, playing catch with the kid out on the lawn. Like I get the, the, the true despair of an absentee dad, a la Bruce Jenner and the children oh with Linda Thompson. So I completely understand that. David Foster. Yeah, David Foster. Of course. Don't get us started. I will say, though, I do feel like Elon Musk just inhabits this other orbit. Like, he's kind of, like, on another planet. And I do think that he probably... I think it's more of like a sperm donor situation. Like he's like the dad on paper. The kids have complete financial security and I mean, they get to have it, like this, you know, one of the world's richest men as their father. It's not that bad of a deal if you're going to be one of the 
uh, probably over over 50% of people who don't have a father who's in your life. Absolutely. I'm not even saying this is bad for the kids. I'm just shocked that he continues to have more children with more various random women. But maybe he's just like a big family guy. I don't know. Well, he is actually deeply concerned about the population decline. Yeah, I, I had which, a feeling. Which is a concern because if the popu- if we don't have replacement level population, then humanity will actually cease to exist. Right. Like that's just how math works, everyone. Yeah. I actually can't say even a single sentence more about it because it's hard for me to understand. <laughs> but <laughs> we're just going to end it with that's just how math works. <laughs> and you can look it up yourself and you can do your own research. Don't ex- don't ask me to explain the math, but that is how math works. Okay, I saw the chart that he posted on Twitter. It was a very compelling equation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he is desperately concerned with humanity ceasing to exist and the population crisis. I mean, and yeah, it is just kind of funny. This is just totally getting in the nitty gritty. But like, you just would think that a tycoon like himself or like David Foster would just like really be sure that like the women that he was with casually non-casually whatever were on birth control or maybe they just don't care no these were i mean his child with grimes was his second child with grimes with grimes was born via surrogate grimes is very open yeah. about the fact that they haven't ha- are not really together but she's open to having more children with him mm-hmm. siobhan i think this was also I don't know if it was born via surrogate or not. Um, but this is intentional impregnation. I mean, Siobhan had twins, so it probably was IVF. Right, right. So even if she carried the children, they probably were, you know, purposefully implanted. Right, I right. do think that, who knows, maybe he doesn't even plan to be an absentee dad. Maybe he plans to right. have all the kids in his life in his life too. And you know what? This is something I have to say. And I'm not just trying to, you know set up my marriage for success everyone I, I you know i believe okay, these well, words but what a disclaimer but i think that hey it's better than all the effing millennial dudes sipping their matcha lattes at 36 and abdicating the responsibility of the hearth and home and becoming fathers okay it's better than that paltry I excuse mean, that we see on hinge you know card after card i do okay okay I I just want to talk about you using the word abdicating like they're all (laughs) whatever. King George the seventh. King George the seventh. Or that Um, the eighth, excuse me. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. Um, The hearth. What's the, what is it? What is even the hearth? What are they abdicating with the hearth? What's that? Is it like the the, the area before your fireplace? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, it's the, it's the fire and warmth of the home. You know, it is life. So keeping, they're abdicating the, keeping the house warm and the house itself, correct? The hearth, is, the hearth is a representation for the fire that burns and the creation of energy when you have children and bring them into the world, Chandler. Wow. Um, that, was, that was a beautiful little definition. And the, um, no, and the I same agree. way that you kindle a fire, you also, you know, tend to the growing spirits to of the your young. young. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of these um, Someone went on their, a safari. With a lot of these dudes with their ankle pants, sipping their matcha oh lattes, gosh. their $7 matcha lattes, and just like, you know, going on their phones, just living I these do, shallow okay. lives. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think that, I think there are definitely men who want to have families. I don't think that it is all, you know, the 36 year old in cell vibes, matcha latte guys. 
I do think there are a decent amount of guys who do want to have families. I do think it is a a older population. Like, I don't think it's like, you know, they assume to be fathers by the age of 35. It's more like, maybe I'll start thinking about that when I'm 35. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. There's definitely, there's definitely great men out there. Um, I'm 100% with you on that, Chandler. I just think that I mean, there are some that not, are, are not from my dating history. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, but like, have you ever had a matcha latte? They're pretty delicious. I don't know. It's just a little effeminate to me. Um, but I don't okay. want to get in the, I don't want to get in trouble, you know? Yeah. That, um, let's, as, let's edit that out. As the PC police. I'm pretty sure you don't want me to elaborate on that. Yeah. Do you know about, let's er- cut it there. <laughs> Do you know about Errol Musk Chandler? Is that a son or is that a daughter? Oh, I'm oh, so mother, actually, mother, mother do, Musk. No, right? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Who is Errol that? Musk is Elon Musk's father. Do you know about him? No. Oh wait, 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 wait. Okay. I did see a headline. Didn't he like marry his his stepdaughter or something? The 76 year old welcomed a second child with his stepdaughter, Jana. I don't know. Is that, it's hard to explain. Jana. His second his his stepdaughter Jana. Um. Errol had raised Jana since she was four after marrying her mother, Heidi, in 1992. Oh, my gosh. Um, By his own account, news of Errol's new children with Jana, his stepdaughter, didn't go down well with his other kids who found it, and this is in quotes, a bit creepy, to say the least. Uh, Yeah. As Jana was like a sister to them. I mean, literally a sister to them. I mean since she was four yeah it's it's giving woody allen it's disgusting it's oh 100 percent. okay errol must said that the child was the result of a one-off mistake <gasps> saying it happened one evening when Jana's boyfriend threw her out of the house and she slept over at my house you have to understand i've been single for 20 years and i'm just someone <gasps> who makes mistakes <laughs> that that's his own account oh yeah that's a direct quote holy shit i know it's okay so good. that is I'm sorry. I just, this, this doesn't make me look fondly upon Elon Musk. The okay, sins of the father rest on the children or whatever. <laughs> yeah, honestly, this is a podcast has felt very religious. <laughs> uh, all I would say is Adam's transgressions are upon us this morning <laughs> yes. because listen to this Chandler, Jana and Errol don't live together anymore um, because the children were, this is in quotes, starting to get on his nerves. <laughs> The children that he created with his stepdaughter, who he raised, Mm -hmm. were starting Mm -hmm. to get on his nerves. Okay, I'm sorry. This man needs to be put down. (laughs) Honestly. Um, He does say he does miss them when they're gone. Okay, do you want to know some of Elon's words on Errol? Yeah. Although, did you have a hot take? Can I just say, this just all tracks with a man named Errol. (laughs) Does it not? Anytime I've seen an Errol, yeah, he has been a decrepit, creepy, 70-plus man. man. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Elon said that his father has a very high IQ and is brilliant at engineering, but went on to brand him as, quote, terrible and, quote, evil. Elon, this is a direct quote. He said, he was such a terrible human being. My dad will have a carefully thought out plan of evil and he will carry out <gasps> that plan of evil. 
You have, this is continued, a direct quote from Elon in a Rolling Stone interview. He said, you have no idea about how bad almost every crime that you can possibly think <gasps> of, that you can possibly think of, he has done. Almost every evil you can possibly think of, he has done. It's so terrible, you can't believe it. <laughs> I, okay. Why like, who is gives a not- shit about buying Twitter? Literally. Like, why aren't we just talking about this full time? Um, Errol, no, literally, where is our stunning HBO documentary about this? Our perfectly cast and scripted documentary. Like, where is the 10-part series? I want to know Are about we going to have to do one? I want to know about him not only committing every evil, but hatching a plan and then <laughs> carrying out that plan of evil. Like, that's such an interesting thing to say. Like, he will have a plan of evil and he will carry right. out the plan of evil. Okay. Can we just say that... Can we just, can you just imagine literally saying this to Rolling Stone about your own flesh and blood? I mean, it's, it's very much DGA, DGAF energy, which I adore. Um, not, right. you know, worrying about what your parents think. Clearly Elon is off Errol's T-Mobile plan. Um, so he is <laughs> <laughs> no longer counting on that $60 a month. Doesn't give a shit. Dude, um, that is what real financial freedom looks like. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Honestly. That, I, it, I mean, that, it has, it's definitely like a new level. I mean, they don't speak. Like, he hates his father. Yeah. All I have to say is that it's ripe for a scripted series. And if I don't see one in the next six months, I'm going to have no choice but to, you know, get the rights myself. I don't know about a, I don't know about it, like a sitcom. I would like a docu series. Okay, I said I said scripted series. Yeah, not like Two and a Half Men. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> like yes, I want I want Thirsty. like a Ronan v Pharaoh or whatever or like whatever yeah, the exactly. documentary was. That's what I want. I want I people. Wanted, like, I want no. I want characters from their childhood. I don't know where they were raised. Yeah, but I want, exactly. You know, I want a docu series. I want people to come forward. I want there to be soft lighting, um, and I want you know I want to hear the truth. I want drone shots of the family home growing mm-hmm. up with menacing music. Yeah. I don't want like stories of hatching plans of evil and then slipping on spaghetti. That's not the no. um, television program I'm after. There better be some juice. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them we're gonna tell them about about them anyway so maybe we can get paid to do it and honestly we just cannot recommend them enough we have a link in our show notes you can go to earlybirdcbd.com use code popapologist20 for 20 percent off earlybirdcbd.com popapologist20 for 20 percent off do yourself a favor try the gummies they ship to all 50 states everybody you got to try it earlybirdcbd.com chandler everyone wants to know our thoughts on j-lo and ben affleck's marriage on their paris honeymoon (sighs) okay let's get into it let's just get into it so uh, apparently these two were married uh Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago j-lo's name has been changed to jennifer affleck um but she will always be j-lo i know that what i'm about to say has the risk of potentially alienating some of the people closest to me okay 
I'm willing okay. to take that risk. I do not care about JLo and Ben Affleck. They have completely lost me. The PR narrative that is their entire relationship, I mean, whatever degree of real it is, has been totally like watered down by just how manufactured it feels to me as a public person, as a, as a public viewer, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's my opinion on it. You know, I honestly, for some reason, I'm not compelled and not interested in them either, but I do have a few thoughts. The first okay. is that... <sighs> Ben Affleck looks completely miserable on this honeymoon. Um, he does not seem in love. He seems like he's tolerating this situation. Mm-hmm. He is falling asleep on a gondola on the Seine. He is crying at dinner. And then he, Which, like, every time he's walking down the street, he looks like he has the same expression on his face on that very popular meme where he's, like, staring <laughs> at the ocean and awash with stress. So... I don't know that this is like, this would be very embarrassing for me if, and unfortunately, you know, we're, I'm not famous at all and no paparazzi will be following me on my, uh, on my honeymoon. But if Kagan had the same demeanor, I would be, I would be mortified. So you don't think that those tears in Paris are tears of, you know, a, of a heartfelt ode of love or declaration of love? I don't think, I don't think Ben Affleck sheds emotional <laughs> tears of romance. No. And, and, and honestly. The dude is on Tinder going for thoughts. Like this guy is, this marriage will be done in two, less than two years. I promise all of you. I just, yeah, I feel like I can't come back from the photo of them on the yacht with a framed photo of them in the background. It just all feels a little bit too manufactured when i was talking to chrissy about this yesterday and i just think that a lot of times for celebrities getting married is just something to do it's like it's like an it's sure having a peak experience it's you know it's a it's a psychological moment you know but there's like zero reason for these people to actually put in the hard yards of a relationship and a marriage, like sticking it out. Like these people will just divorce the second there's any sort of blood in the water. So one of my favorite like pop culture writers talks about how JLo is just like so over the top and she can't not be over the top. Like she's always got to have a hat with every single outfit. Like one of those people. Um, we can get into more of the, that personal vendetta I have later. Um, but, and I guess like this just sort of tracks. Like I just feel like the Ben Affleck thing is just clearly, you know, an over the top play for, you know, JLo fans who are, you know, have so much nostalgia for their early relationship for the, for the early motorcycle picks. Um, and yeah, I just, I just don't know if I'm buying that this is like real love for her. No. I mean, I think it's real love for her. I think she looks really happy. I think that she loves having an A-lister, age-appropriate, obsessed with her. I mean, who wouldn't? But I just, I don't know if it's internalized misogyny. I don't know what it is. Could be that. But I think it's probably just Ben's completely despondent demeanor in all these photos. But Ben Affleck does not seem happy. Um, Also, I want to say I might know the reason. Okay. 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 Um, have you seen her honeymoon looks? I mean, what is happening, J Lo? I'm sorry. You cannot wear 
Reformation dresses. She needs to pick a lane. She clearly does not have no, three style is, words, and it's really, really oh my showing. She's right, wearing right. prairie Reformation dresses, or like very bold, modern. Um, mm-hmm. A what's that? What's that style? Like the a not a frame. That's a house. Um, Asymmetrical. Uh, no a skirt. Like a line. Yeah. She's wearing these like bold red cerulean blue A-line dresses. They're like a Diane von Furstenberg ripoff. And then she's wearing this a bunch of heinous wedges that look like they're from Payless Dress she, for Less. She and can't I help just, herself. The wedge shoe in 2022 is a cry for help. I'm sorry, but <laughs> who wears a wedge or a heel with a platform on it? That went distinctly out of style I mean, in 2006. Okay, everyone? I mean, she needs I, she needs to mark her calendar because on August 8th, Courtney Crow's Dillard's line drops, okay? And she needs some help. I don't know what place we're in in humanity, but JLo is wearing wedges and platform heels in Paris on her honeymoon. Well, it just for me is such a bad fashion moment. So that's my She's also take. wearing gas station sunglasses, it looks like. Like sunglasses with, with that are like, I don't know, they look like normal sunglasses, okay? But the frames are like a fluorescent purple. Literally gas station level uh, UV protection. No, it's all so bad, Chandler. It's so bad. Um, But speaking of style and the three words, people wanted to know. They wanted us to reiterate what the three words means. So I do forget which TikToker is famous for this or it's like the Mm -hmm. big proponent of it. Amber Filler posted about her and now I've completely forgotten her name. But anyway, the entire point of the three words when it comes to style is that there's two principles. One is that people with great style are consistent. And so if you are like JLo and one day you're in a prairie dress, you know, prancing around in your wedges and the next day you're in a platform heel and your Diane von Furstenberg dress, there's no consistency. Not only, well, right. not only are the looks bad, but also you don't have a set style. And if you think about people with great style an Audrey Hepburn, a Jackie O, a Carolyn Bissett, these are people who really stayed within a specific theme even Haley Bieber today Bella Hadid these are people who know their lane who've picked a Mm -hmm. theme and stick with it so they're famous for one thing and it's actually been very instructive for me personally because you know I felt like my style has been all over the place and I just decided I I need to pick a vision I wasn't gonna say anything but yeah it's been a smorgasbord yeah exactly and so it's so helpful because all of a sudden, so you pick your three words and then if a purchase doesn't fit your three words, you can just say, oh, this isn't my style. Example, the Doan warehouse sale. I didn't buy, I, I looked through it. I added things to cart. And then I was like, you know what? Honestly, this is all has elements of prairie in it. And I'm, that's not my style. Mm -hmm. I'm not into that Mm -hmm. anymore. I'm over it and I'm not buying any of this. And it's actually quite freeing and helps you edit your purchases as a consumer. So Um, I totally agree. I actually went through the Dawn Warehouse sale and did think, okay, what are my three words? It's been a journey to discover my three words. Um, And I only found one thing that really suited me style wise. Okay. Um, Which was not, which was still a prairie like pattern, but it was a shorter dress versus a longer dress. Cause I just don't think that I'm, I'm yeah. Anyways, what are your three words Chandler? So like I said, it's been a journey, but I think my three words are, classic romantic Mm. and bold 
Ooh, okay. That's cool. I like that. Thank you. Thank um, you. Do you think it's a little all over the place though? Um, no. I mean, one of them, <laughs> I'm like, no. One of them, like one of the alts was like something like sporty or like af- something that like, is a nod to athleisure because I definitely wear a lot of athleisure. Um, mm. But I just wasn't like, I don't know. I don't, I, I couldn't really figure out. I didn't really feel like sporty was like was going to be up there in the top three so i'm i'm welcoming submissions but anyways what about you my three words and it's a little cringy to say this but my three words are minimal modern and sexy so (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm still the bloom of youth is not off the rose quite yet and so i'm still enjoying you know leading with hotness when you stepped out for our you know, Mexican restaurant dinner and chinos and a cutout top and heels when all of us were in basically at leisure, you really did show up for minimal, modern and sexy. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. I was in beautiful fitted camel slacks. I had a stunning top on that was like this very interesting modern silhouette. Very um, sexy for a family dinner. Might I Very, add. I wouldn't say necessarily sexy. I would just say revealing. Um, and <laughs> maybe that could be your word minimal modern revealing <laughs> oh my gosh um and then my you know I had sleek barely there ankle strap heels on very a uh, very understated silhouette to the heel I yeah Chandler I think that was a great look and I'm sorry that all of you are not on my level no we all looked like we looked like your frumpy like middle America cousins who were in town who you were like buying dinner for (laughs) um we it definitely definitely was hilarious and you guys were dressed appropriately for El Cholo which even though it's in Newport Beach is very much a very casual old Mexican restaurant right right but I appreciate you staying on theme. And you know what? You've always dressed nicer than needed. You know, and I think that's you, a sweet thing about you. You have a distinct habit. And I think it's very charming of being just like never quite dressed appropriately for the environment or the setting. Always looking a <laughs> little mean, out of place. Thank you, Chandler. There's there's only one person in this recording right now who used to wear pearls and heels to middle school. That's true. Yes, it's true. I mean, when, honestly, I was the original fashion influencer of our family. At some point, you I will were. get the... Mm-hmm. I was. I started a fashion blog. I could literally be bankrolling all of our lives if I had kept right, up that right. girl with the freckles. My original fashion <laughs> blog from 2012. I mean, it's still a great name. I'm sure someone, some other freckled lady has taken it, but I'm sure you're better than her, so... Um, well, we digress anyway. No one cares about uh, my failed fashion blogs. Okay, so another thing we wanted to chat about this week was The Bear. You are loving yes. this show? Well, I just started it. And really, okay, yes, I, I just started it. It is like in a different vein than Love Island, which is what I've basically been consuming exclusively mm. for the past two months. Um, okay. So definitely a very different, definitely a departure from that. Um, but it really did remind me, it's a show about, so let me just say, it's a show about a restaurant and restaurant culture, you could say, or just like the, mm-hmm. you know, what it's like to work in a restaurant and not just like a chain restaurant, like not what it's like to work out at Jimmy John's, but like what it's like to work at, you know, a small privately owned or family owned, like, you know, 
uh, I don't even know how you would describe it. Like, I don't want to say farm to table because I don't know that that's exactly what it is. But like, you know, it's just it's what it's like to work at a, maybe a high end restaurant. Um, right. Right. And it gave me a lot of nostalgia for our old days at communal. Mm-hmm. Charlie and I worked for you know we do have people who are from all over the world so listening to this podcast which will shock oh. many of our listeners but i had one <laughs> one of the q a's was like am i your only listener from germany and when i look at the stats there are people from all over so we need to um we need to explain for people communal was the like the nicest restaurant in the town provo that we lived in and, and mm-hmm. went to college in and yes it was the nicest restaurant there and it was really beautiful like it's this very yeah. small restaurant probably only seats 25 or 30 people mm-hmm. um, i guess maybe 40 i don't know very small though um and really really well done really beautiful like the um the restaurateur that created it was like very much like visionary and inspired and it was a be- it was a very beautiful space to work in which I think made it like somewhat of a coveted place to work because like yeah it was one of the few places that was kind of like a glam you know job in the service industry um and so Chandler and I took working there really seriously and really loved our job there I mean, but yeah we have a lot of funny serving stories it was like it was my first job that wasn't like working for someone in my family like I think like, or that wasn't babysitting. So I was very dedicated to it. And especially, you know, the first couple of months of my hosting position, I literally used to call Lauren after every shift and tell her every single thing I did wrong, which is maybe just, you know, a little bit of a peek into my psyche. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just an interesting place to work. Like every day we would start out having dinner and then during dinner together called family meal, so, like there would be like a like a program like there would be mm-hmm. an idea presented and we would talk about the idea whether it was like fostering community or you know yeah. create, what does it mean to create an experience for a guest and we would go around the table and like share what we thought that really meant and it was it was just hilarious because it was well, I mean it was really like a, I don't know it was a great place to work in that way that it was not just a place you clocked in and clocked out um There was something greater we were all aspiring to. And so all of our friends worked there and we all took it like pretty seriously. Well, literally all of our like closest friends, like literally worked there. And so like, it's, it's really fostered like lifelong relationships. So that meal is called family meal and people who have worked in restaurants will like know what we're talking about, but it's basically like a meal for the staff that, uh, the kitchen like cooks, um, so that you all have like a meal together before service begins. Um, and yeah, it was it was honestly like idyllic. Like I was I'm trying to rack my brain for like the hilarious. I mean, there were plenty of times where like Lauren and I got into like fights during work and we'd have to like rush to the back room and like close the curtain and like hash it out. Um Ugh. because like we were maybe a little bit annoyed with each other. I mean, I got yelled at because I was the host. Um it was just like, I mean, you always had to wear to like denim and chambray and like look like a hipster and that was like honestly there was nothing harder than being in the provo heat and having to slip on a flannel yeah it was terrible that part that part was atrocious um okay but i do have a funny story from working at communal um so and this involves our sister courtney um so i was serving a table 
And at this very moment, Courtney was having a fun trip with her friends in Beverly Hills. And we were chatting, we were texting. And she was at an Italian restaurant in LA. She sees Mohammed Hadid. Um, Mohammed Hadid, I think he's having, I don't know if he was having lunch with David Foster, but he was there having lunch. He definitely, he definitely, you know, makes it known that he's like eyeing Courtney and Angie and Megan, um, who were all there on a girl's trip. So cut to they're walking on Rodeo drive and this guy pulls up in a convertible, two guys. And one of them, the guy driving is Mohammed Hadid and asks them to hop in which they do, um, you know, shouldn't get in the car with strangers, but he wasn't a stranger. They knew exactly who he was. They knew he was the ex-husband of Yolanda Hadid. They knew he was the father of Gigi Hadid, one of the world's top supermodels, the real estate mogul. Anyway, so, so this was also, I think like very close to real housewives of Beverly Hills, Yolanda Mm -hmm. on the show time. So Muhammad Hadid was way more in the zeitgeist in my brain. I followed him on Instagram and I knew about him and Shiva. I was very, very into their, like I would not into their relationship, but I liked, I was voyeuristically into their relationship and liked um, watching. Anyway, cut to, I'm serving while Courtney's in his convertible, like texting us the juice. And I just can't think about anything else. So someone is giving me their order and I'm just like, I'm like trying to write it down. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Do you guys know who Muhammad <laughs> is? And fully like, breaks like character. BYU parents. <laughs> and they're like, no. And I'm like, I am so sorry, you guys, but my sister right now is in LA and you will not believe this. <laughs> You You should have been fired on the spot. I was like, she is literally driving in Muhammad Hadid's car with him right now. This is the father of Gigi Hadid, the supermodel, and the ex-husband of Yolanda Hadid, who was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Who has Lyme disease. I can't really think... I was like, it's very hard for me to take your order right now because I can't really think about anything else. Um, So I apologize. There's probably going to be mistakes throughout this meal. Like you're probably not like you wanted the pasta. That's not going to come. You're going to get the steak and you're just going to have to, you know, look the other way because I'm in another place mentally right now and emotionally. Could you just come back maybe tomorrow instead when this is resolved? Like I just can't. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow I turned it into like a bit and a comedic performance because they ended up like thinking was hilarious and the 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 joke landed let's just say there are other times when the joke (laughs) didn't land like there was one time I was a hostess at pizzeria 712 another restaurant um and I was I mean being a host is one of the worst jobs ever and I was exhausted it was the end of the night it was one of my last shifts and I went up to a table of women who were on their third hour and there was a table of 10 waiting to take their table anyway Mm -hmm. they were you know dessert had been over for an hour and I just remember I went up to the table and I didn't even say this like to be a bitch I didn't even say it out of irritation or rudeness I just was tired and like it was I just I just was exhausted so there's nothing left to do but speak plainly um so I just go up to the table and I just said ladies it is time to depart um we have another you know group that's ready to to dine with us tonight. And the ladies looked at me <gasps> with such hostility what? because I, I definitely thought like, Oh, it'll be just like a, you know, they'll be like, Oh yeah, we've been here for forever. Lauren. Totally. So, so sorry. Apologies. Right. No, they looked at me like I was the biggest bitch. So <gasps> um, those it's, are my, it's funny now because yeah. 
that sort of thing like is very common in New York. Like you gotta, you gotta go, you, you eat and then you gotta go. I mean, I went to a, a burger place. It was like, like the owner was literally walking around being like, are you guys done yet? We got people waiting. Like that's so, yeah. Asking people to leave the hardest part of the it's, job, hands down. It's so hard. And these were very much like entitled, you know, women who had no empathy. Oh, this was another thing I loved working. This is a story that's just coming back to me now. Um, a little Celine Dion moment, but I remember there was this group of women at communal. They came in and we had a private dining room that sat 10 people or eight people. And sometimes people like trying to have a party on the cheap would make a reservation there and then like close the curtains and put up decorations. <laughs> and it was a little cringy. And I just remember this group of women came in for dinner. They had a reservation for eight. They proceeded to order four desserts and nothing else and throw a party in the private dining room um, with confetti, Literally with de- decorations. Just renting the space. Yeah. Just like paying, I don't know, $35 to- yeah, right to take up one of the biggest parts of the restaurant for a full three hours. Um, lots of egregious behavior was witnessed. I remember, okay, one funny story that I, thing that I did uh, was one time I was serving lunch and I didn't take lunch service very seriously. And the guy ordered steak and fries and he asked if there was any sort of sauce to go with the steak. And I said, yeah, we have a Worcestershire sauce, which I still can't pronounce for the record. (laughs) And, and I still don't really know what it is. Yeah. And he said, Oh, what kind of sauce is that? And I really had no idea. So I just was like, Oh, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a uh, standard steak sauce with a traditional preparation. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, Oh, okay. Like what's in it? And I was just like, I'll have to go ask the chef. (laughs) Anyway, I got a bad tip on that one. Um, uh, do you have any tales for do, us, Chandler? Did we tell the story about Bethany? Do we tell were that you there? story? You were there that night, weren't you? That was I took the call, or did you take the call? Okay. I feel like Let's, we should tell this Bethany Frankel story, but we should have Andrew or Gibson on the line, yeah, a royal historian or our Brittany expert on the line okay. when we tell it because it's just too funny, and we need we need them to also be part of that retelling, right, right. right. Okay, so um, we did have some additional questions people had from the anonymous Q&A that were frankly not that juicy, and so we figured we'd answer them on the regular episode. But speaking of the juice, brief plug, Chandler and I did answer frankly inappropriate and completely TMI questions on the on the Patreon episode, the anonymous Q&A Patreon episode. So if you want to listen to that and help us get to our goal of a thousand patrons by 2023, tap the link in our show notes and yeah, uh, listen to us being real slores for that $7.99 a month. Um, Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my mm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also 
strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there. Everyone, go to cleansimpleeats.com and use the promo code POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. That's POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. Cleansimpleeats.com, POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. Okay, but back to the questions that were fit for public consumption. Um, someone wanted to know what the most embarrassing thing we've ever said or done on a date is. Ooh. Um... Okay. There are two things. One time I had, I think I've told this story before, but I'll just go ahead and reiterate it. Um, I had what I think now was E. coli poisoning. Um, and I, oh. um, wasn't, my stomach was not feeling well. This was, you know, after we'd had dinner, after we were just like watching a movie, um, wink, wink, nod, nod. And, I just was like not well so I excused myself to go to the little girl's room and wherein I proceeded to have it come from both ends and I'll stop it right there oh but this was at my was new with, on Ben Ben's date was that the, wasn't no. did you throw up on Ben's first date I, I oh, did. that was wasn't one. even the most embarrassing yeah that was actually that's actually wow. kind of a tend, tender story now that was like my second date with Ben I did throw up but people are gonna think you're uh, a real drunkard okay neither neither that was not from drinking this was literally i think i got food poisoning because it was like it was the first and last time i hope to god this ever happens but it was like it came out both ends at the same time involuntarily terrible terrible yeah what about you now that i've shared that lovely Um, experience how did you leave how did you like what did you did you say i'm like so ill after you were done it was like a four-year evacuation trip to the restroom um, and then I drove myself home and threw up on the way home, like literally to pull over and throw up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Horrific. So, I'm still working through well, that trauma. Um, I, so my story is not from a date, so I'm kind of cheating here, but I do think okay. it is the most embarrassing and cringiest thing that I've ever done, putting my foot in my mouth. But, um, there was one time where I my at my last company at the company I worked for the CEO did this like Tuesday lunch thing where he had lunch with people who you know the the commoners who worked at the the organization mm-hmm. um so he w- would have lunch with employees every Tuesday and he would pick you know he would pick two employees or I don't know how they would get pick, picked but anyway anyone for the company could be invited to a lunch with the CEO and one other employee so it's pretty okay. intimate lunch right Sounds like my worst um, nightmare, to be honest. Our CEO was honestly a very nice person, but I wouldn't say he has like an intense personality, not an okay. extreme extrovert, more of like a serious minded, more of an introvert, kind of, I would say even maybe quiet. So yeah, okay. we're just more, he's low key. He was low key. And the other person who I got paired with for this lunch was basically a mute okay they had nothing to say one of the most quiet people of all time so it was just up to me you know here I was Atlas okay with the world on my shoulders having to carry this conversation the entire lunch (laughs) and 
it was just exhausting. And I just remember okay. like I'm 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 freaking being a clown, telling one story after another, right, keeping right. the conversation going, keeping the energy up. Right. And it was frankly tiring um at one point I hear myself say oh you know and that was it was just funny it was 24 at the time and that was around the age that you know being 24 is so interesting and I'm with like 50 plus CEO of the company I worked for oh my gosh and I'm telling the story and I'm like you know being 24 is just so interesting because I remember there's like this one time when I was 24 and I was like working at a restaurant and I was telling my friends like you know I think like I I just realized that like I'm never gonna be a starlet like I'll never be on the cover of Teen Vogue (sighs) Like I'll never be like that age has passed. And I think it's one of the first times like you realize that, whoa, like maybe when you were a kid and you read all those magazines and you, you know, like you see stars like Misha Barton on the cover and like you think, oh, that could be you. And then, you know, you're like 24 in a restaurant. You're like, whoa, like I'll never be a starlet. Once again, can I just say once again, why were you not fired on the spot? (laughs) Like, and then my, the CEO was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, for sure. Sh- yeah, yeah, you know, wow. funny, funny. <laughs> it's like probably like, meanwhile, he's like crafting an email. It's like, we need to be uh, stronger about our interview process. Like, let's add a few more additional rounds to the interviews. <laughs> well, yeah, honestly. I want you to address, Lauren, um, the anonymous question you got about your vacation behavior, because I think you need to answer for it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Should I pull up the exact wording? Please, please read it. I think I should. Before the jury. Okay, let's see here. Hold on one second. It'll take me a a quick moment to retrieve it. When you sent this to me, because I haven't really been, I don't really actually know how to check the anonymous questions. Probably a good thing. When you sent this to me, I just about died. Someone said, do you (laughs) ever... Didn't they address it to you, right? They said, Lauren... Do you ever do anything cultural or historical when you're traveling? Or do you just shop and lay out on beaches even though you already live somewhere tropical? (laughs) Wow. I mean, can I just say I love that you're getting hate for the way you vacation. I think it is so completely out of bounds. It's truly hilarious. Um, Well, first of all, I mean, I, I I did not visit Anguilla's local museum. I did. No I will admit that on this podcast. I did not really dive headfirst into the culture of Anguilla. So, you know, nail me to the cross like Vicky Govelson, but here I am. You know, um, you can get you can get thirst traps at relics, Lauren. You can do that too, <laughs> just so you know. You can look hot that's at true. historical sites. Ass shots are really possible everywhere. And that's something I need to remember and remind myself. Thank you, Chandler. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I mean, here's- maybe people are just sick of the infinity pools. They'd like to see, uh, you know, abandoned temples or, you know, ruins of sorts. Here's the thing, Chandler. The reality is, is I'm really passionate about swimming and the life aquatic. Yes. Um and when it comes to vacations right now, I'm really interested in degenerating completely, just having fun, blasting off. I'm not super interested in like learning tours right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in, well, when I was in Europe, I went to, I mean, I literally cried when I saw La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. So, I mean, yes, I, I do don't even know what that is. Up. It's a church. It's like a cathedral in okay. Barcelona. I mean, um, can I just say on your behalf, 
Lauren reads a ton of nonfiction. Lauren actively spends her time learning about things that I don't care about, that I actively don't care about. Um, it's kind of hilarious only because Lauren is very smart and learned that people think that, oh, that's so or at nice. least this person, you know, is basically nailing Lauren to the cross for, you know, her superficial vacations. And it's like, can't people just vacation how they want a vacation? Jeez. If you want to go on a fucking I, carnival cruise, you can do that. I also think there's a little bit of it that's like, listen, I've just picked a lane on Instagram these days. Like, sure. I am a thirsty hoe. I like a real good thirst trap. I love an infinity pool pick. I love... I love all that stuff. Do you really want that paired also with poetry, museum information? Totally. Hi- yes. History, yes. Histories of wherever I am. Guys. Like, cultural moments of importance. I feel like that is what would be nauseating. It's like trying to be like, not only am I here in a bikini, but I'm smart mm-hmm. too. Like, honestly, no, no one wants that. Listen. Listeners, be careful what you wish for. We do not want this side of Lauren. (laughs) We are not here for it. We're not interested. We are going to be subjected to a lot of poetry, a lot of musings, and honestly, you will regret it. So, no. You will deeply, deeply regret shaming me for being such a shallow hoe on Instagram. As someone who shared a Jack and Jill bathroom with poet Lauren who was constantly subjected to her musings, who spent the majority of her adolescent life listening to poems like, you know, whiskey rum or whatever. You don't want this. Trust you me. You do not want this. Okay. First of all, I did not have, um, I did not have Johnny Depp taste in poetry. Um, I only shared with you like scholarly published good academic work. Um, Can we just talk a little bit about, the idea that you thought your at the time probably ten or eleven year old sister would have like you know honestly like good feedback on your poems, but it was it's honestly sweet about our bond that you would be like, hey, can I read you something? And then I'd be like, I love it. Like, I mean, I was honestly like the things that moved me at the time were like Death Cab for Cutie songs, and I yeah, I ate it up. Chandler was like literally subjected to so much insanity. I used to play like Dylan Thomas poetry read aloud um, very loudly on my huge speaker in my room. A stranger has come to share my room in the house. Not right in the head. A girl mad as birds. She has come possessed. She who admits the delusive light through the bouncing walls. This is what we're going to deal with. Let's let's No, Literally, this is what we're going to have to deal with. I mean, the most mainstream thing that you kind of did was listen to like uh, Irish indie music. I don't know what we call Damien Rice these days, but whatever. And that's what I had to get into in order to like enjoy being in your car. Well, um, one of my favorite moments was when I was babysitting Chandler, Nick, and McCall when my parents were out of town when I was probably twenty and or nineteen, and it, an Irish folk band or like an Irish like troupe came into t- yes. the local town, literally to the local library, not even a concert. I brought them to see Bioga. Chandler, do you remember? Of Don't course I remember. Work in a factory. So this is we what I'm saying. See, clothes. this is what Lauren, <laughs> Lauren's like teens and tw- and like <laughs> 20s and 30s are swapped. Lauren spent her like teens as a very serious adult, like caring about history and <laughs> Irish so singing. And now she's finally living out her like superficial teenage years. So let's just let her have this. 
it's it's absolutely correct um and if we turn back the clock of time to my social media in my early 20s i mean one of one of my favorite quotes from one of my best friends is i hated you before i knew you because i was so annoying <laughs> <laughs> on social media yeah so anyways so, with that being said be careful what you wish for don't want to work in a factory no nope, no nope. all right moving on to the next clothes. question Okay. See, she even she's trying to sing now. This is this is also the type of person she is. She tries to sing well all the time. Um, Pity me, my darling. Okay. All Pity right. me, I say. Okay. Um, the next question okay, okay. is, um, yeah. would you stay at a job you felt bored or uninspired in, but made great money or great benefits or had great benefits? Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think a job where you have great money and benefits and your board is a great job to have because most of the time jobs with great benefits and money are um really stressful so i would stay there until you have something else lined up that's my opinion um yeah i think that things ebb and flow with jobs um like there are times where i felt bored at my my job you know that just is natural um i think that thinking your job is going to constantly like you know entertain you or creatively stroke you that sounds gross but like creatively inspire you is <laughs> is asking a lot um and okay. maybe i'm just jaded yeah. but i think like i think you should also it's be so creatively true. stoking your own fire and that that's what this podcast is what my this nonsense podcast is for me um so i just i, I think that if you make good money and you have good benefits and you can handle it like I don't know. I I'm I also am a big proponent of like your a job is a job and you can be good at it and be, you know, you can be totally good at it and passionate enough to do a fantastic job, but you don't need to have it be your identity and I I try to separate those two things. Yeah. I mean, expecting, I think it's the biggest problem when people think my job should not only be my source of income, my health benefits, Mm -hmm. you know, the way I make a living, but it also needs to be my spiritual nourishment and my life purpose, passion. And that's just a line. Yeah. That's a line of goods that we've been sold. And one of my favorite business leaders is Scott Galloway or like business thought leaders. And he he talks about how like most people that tell you to follow their passion are people who like have made billions of dollars selling like medical software. Um, so what he says, and I agree with is you become passionate about what you're doing and you find a lot of reward there when you have, when your skill set becomes really valuable and rare after a lot of work. And then, you know, uh, you enjoy, you enjoy essentially delivering a lot of value and being like a rare commodity. And I think that, and you enjoy building wealth. I think that's the realistic corporate path to go down. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But and, I mean, honestly for a corporate job board, great money, great benefits. That's a pretty good deal. Look at this girl. She listens to Scott Galloway. You know, she's doing more than just taking <laughs> thirst traps and pulls everybody. Look at her. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I'm not even wearing a thong bikini right now, everyone. So can you color yourself blessed. I did get a, a DM when I was like, be careful. This one piece is really cheeky. And I got a DM that was like, mm, it's more like a thong, 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 thong. All caps. Was that from thong. mom? <laughs> that no, that mom? was from uh, our dear Alethea. Mm. So Love thanks it. for keeping me honest, girlfriend. Um, it is true though. Um, so yeah. So there we go. That's my okay. biz advice. Anyway, um, Chandler, anything else we want to get into today? No, 
after that vulnerable confession for me i feel like i need to shut up Mm. speaking of confessions this friday on the patreon i'm doing a solo episode featuring kagan so i was able to convince kagan to record with me for about a half an hour and we answer a lot of the questions that you had for me that involve him like how we split our finances um what our plan is after marriage when it comes to splitting finances you guys asked me certain questions and i had him answer them because i felt like he would give a very realistic answer the big one though is a lot of you wanted to know how i got him to propose which was kind of strange i kind of felt like it should have been you know how did how did you accept his proposal yeah like how did he get this very learned woman to agree to take his hand in marriage and anyway um that was not the question so we talked all about that journey together the engagement process from a guy's perspective all of his thoughts on that stuff so that will be up on oh and he also explains what he does which was a big question people had so that will be up on the patreon this friday link on the okay link in the show notes i have another plug i know we have some new listeners And I just want to let you all know that if you feel so inclined, please go and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you like this podcast, if you've tuned in for one episode and you found it to be five stars, go leave it a five-star review on iTunes. It does our podcast a huge service when you do that. Um, And, you know, it's good karma. I don't know what else it is, but like it's good juju, whatever. Please do it for us. It would really mean a lot. It's very easy. Apple Podcasts, search the podcast name, tap on it, scroll down. You'll see where it'll have the stars. You just click five stars. You don't even have to write anything. Also, if you're on Spotify, you can rate us on Spotify. That would be super helpful. Um, You know, and if you do write something, it will make our day, though. There's really no downside to leaving us a review, please. Correct. Um, You guys, thank you for listening. Next week, we are doing a deep dive of Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban's midlife romance. I mean, is there anything more fortifying to the soul than the tale of two human beings ensconced in love today? (laughs) (laughs) I was was waiting for like an Australia thing. No, there's really not. I I cannot wait to hear it. Is there anything more is there anything more fortifying than a man with gorgeous highlights and a woman with immaculate cheekbones <laughs> falling in love? Is there anything that's going to make you not stop believing than a couple that botoxes together, okay? Right, a couple right. with two frozen faces who mm-hmm. just love to make out. Um so I'm very excited for that episode. It should be fun. Yeah. Okay. Love you guys. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. The more I take them down, the more
I'm leaving this old town. Pity me, my darling. Pity me, I say. folks don't forget give us a five-star review hit us up on instagram at pop apologists and we will see you next week live every wednesday